Hey, online church family. We're so glad that you've joined us today. My name is Dan Lidstone, and I'm the creative pastor here at Connection Point. Well, we've been in a series called Greater Things, and in that series, our pastor, John Dickerson, has laid out a vision for where our church is going over the next two years. Here's the exciting part. A huge part of that vision involves you, our online family. All across the United States, we're seeing these digital hotspots popping up in different areas, but we see God especially energizing the Chicagoland area. Every week, we have over 600 people that join us just from the Chicagoland area. So we need to hear from you. We don't quite know who you are, but we would love to hear from you. So do us a favor, text the word Chicago to 317-350-1996. Just text us, we'll be in touch with you because we have some special things planned for you. Listen, if you're joining us from another area of the country, we still love you, we're still interested in hearing from you, and you can do this. You can fill out a connection card during the service today. Well, we're so glad that you've joined us today. We can't wait to see what God does. We believe he's gonna do greater things, and we're so glad that you're with us in that vision. Hey, welcome to week one of our series, Heroes. This is gonna be such a fun series. We're going through the word of God, and we're studying these heroic figures who did these incredible miracles. And we're learning how we can live the same kind of life of faith today in our lives. I don't know if you have any heroes. I'm uh, thinking right now of a hero we're going to see next week. We have heroes that we support here every month as a church. We support missionaries around the world. We've got missionaries in Africa, in Guatemala, and in India. Next week, you don't want to miss it because our speaker is a missionary who serves in a country where Christians are persecuted. And he's actually, I can't say his name because he could get in trouble for what he does, but he's going to be here on this stage, and he's going to share with us a powerful message about Gideon, a hero in the Old Testament. We're going to learn all about living as Christians in an unpopular culture, even a time, a culture for him where he's physically persecuted, so you don't want to miss next week. Well, when you think of heroes, I don't know who you think of. I think of my childhood, and all three of my older brothers played basketball, and they had these teammates who were just these massive athletes. And I remember this one basketball player, his name was Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe was about six foot six, and he was just this beast of muscle. He was this huge, powerful guy. And when my oldest brother was playing basketball with Greg Monroe, I was probably in late elementary school at the time. And what always stuck out to me about Greg Monroe was not just how big and strong he was, but how kind he was. He was like one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet. Maybe you've met someone like that where they're really, really strong and powerful, but they're also really, really kind and nice. And to me, that's an ultimate hero, someone who's powerful, but who can also be very gentle. And that's why I've chosen to speak today about one of my heroes in the Old Testament. His name is David. David started out as a shepherd boy, and if you want to talk about someone who can be gentle and who can be kind, David would handle these little lambs, and he was so gentle in nature. David was kind of a poet. He was a singer-songwriter in his heart, and he would write these songs to God that really they're almost like love songs. We call them the Psalms. And yet this same David, as he followed God, as he believed in God, God took a very tender-hearted person and he gave him incredibly thick skin. 
he used David to lead armies and to defeat warriors. And I want you to learn today how you can be a hero in the same way. But let's start with this question, talking about you and your life. How can you become someone who others look up to and remember? I mean, here I am years later, and I still remember Greg Monroe, that big, strong basketball player who was so nice to me as an elementary-aged kid. Would you like to be someone like that? How can you live a life where decades from now, people will still look up to you and remember you? They'll look up to you and remember you, not necessarily because you have the physique of a giant basketball player, but because you have that strength and you have that gentleness. You have that power and you have that kindness. You have that respect and yet you also have that love. How can you live a life like that. And I think if we're honest, we might not automatically say this out loud, but when we see a question like this, if we're honest, here's the barrier for some of us. You know, some of us, we've failed in different ways, and we're really wondering this, where you have failed, and where you feel like that failure, it prevents you from becoming a hero. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you, you're listening to this message and you're thinking, yeah, the idea of being a hero, that sounds great, but you know what? There were so many times I should have showed up as a dad and I didn't. It's too late for me. Or maybe you're thinking, I'd love to be a spiritual hero, but there's so many times I should have chosen God and I didn't. Or maybe you're here and you're thinking, man, I'd love to be a hero, but I've allowed sin to take me out of the game in some ways. And maybe you just feel like being a hero that ship has sailed. It's something that couldn't ever happen for you. Well, I want to encourage you today because as we look at David's story, we're going to see that David was incredibly flawed. David was not a perfect hero, and yet David was faithful. And if you're watching and if you're here and you feel like, you know, I want to be a spiritual giant, I want to be faithful, I want to be someone that people can look up to and people can remember, but I've just made too many mistakes, I want to encourage you. The hero that we're looking at today it's exactly like you, someone who loves God, but who is deeply flawed. And in his flaws, he was faithful to God. Well, let's pick up our story to answer these questions. How can you be someone people look up to? And how can you overcome those failures that maybe would prevent you from being a hero? And let's pick up on what was probably the biggest breakthrough moment in David's life. It's recorded for us in the Word of God in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 tells us this true story of this young shepherd boy, David. Now, if you've heard the story before, you might know the context. David's older brothers were considered big and strong. He was considered the runt. And so when there was a war, his older brothers went off to fight in the battles. He stayed home to take care of the sheep. Well, his dad sent David to the battlefield to bring some food to his older brothers. And it's while David's there that he overhears this massive Goliath antagonizing God's people, mocking God, and mocking God's army. And when David overhears it, he loves God so much, and he believes in God so much that he just can't stand what Goliath's doing. Let's pick up the story here in 1 Samuel 17, verse 21. Soon the Israelite and the Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, and he hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. Well, as he was talking with them, Goliath, this Philistine, champion from Gath, he came out from the Philistine ranks. You know, the armies, they'd be facing each other, and Goliath kind of comes out into the middle, 
And then David hears him shout his taunt. He's making fun of God. He's making fun of God's people. Shouts this taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. So here's David. He's like looking up to all these Israeli soldiers. He's like, man, someday I'm going to be like those guys. He sees Goliath come out, and these guys literally turn and run away. They're starting to run back towards David. And they say to him, have you seen that giant, the men asked. I mean, he's the talk of the camp, right? Everyone's like, have you seen this guy? I've been in battles my whole life. I've never seen a warrior that tall. I've never seen someone kill a man that way. I've never seen someone like that. The stories are spreading and the people are afraid. And the soldiers tell him, this Goliath, he comes out each day to defy Israel. And the king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. Well, David asks the soldiers who are standing there, who's this pagan Philistine, right? This is an enemy who doesn't respect God. And David sees from the beginning that while this is a physical confrontation, this is also a spiritual confrontation. And David said, who is this guy that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Right? He might think he's a big deal, but my God is a way bigger deal. And I take offense to him talking that way about my God. Well, then David's question was reported to King Saul, the king of Israel, and the king sends for David. David gets in his presence and he says this, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him, right? Here's David. He's got no armor on. He's a little boy. He's, he's you know, just wearing a normal robe. He doesn't even have any weapons with him. And Saul says this, don't be ridiculous, There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. Come on, this is stupid. You're only a boy. And this Goliath, he's been a man of war since his youth, right? Before you were born, Goliath was killing people. Every day you've been living and out shepherding your sheep, this Goliath has been killing people. And now here's how David's going to respond. I love this. David persisted, right? David knows what God has called him to do. And he doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. Even when a good person says stop, he says, I'm going to keep going. And then David says this, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, well, here's what I do. I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from the mouth of that lion or bear. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. God had prepared David. I've done this to both lions and bears. And I'll do it to that pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. Don't miss the spiritual battle that's happening in this passage. Then David says this, here's where my confidence and my strength are. My confidence isn't in my abilities, it's in my God. He says this, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion. And the Lord who rescued me from the bear, he will rescue me from this Philistine too. Well, Saul finally consents. He says, all right, go ahead. You seem to have a lot of faith. You got a lot of spunk. This will be interesting. And may the Lord be with you, Saul adds. Well, I want to give you guys a sense. David now, he's going to pick up these five smooth stones. Maybe you've heard this story about how he's going to use a slingshot. And he picks up these five smooth stones from a stream. He puts them in his shepherd's bag and then armed with only his staff and sling, right? He doesn't even have any armor on if, if this Goliath throws a spear at him, or comes at him with a sword, he's got no protection. 
but he starts across the valley to fight the Philistine. And I want to now take you into that moment. I want you, wherever you're watching this in the auditorium or if you're watching it at home, I want to transport you. Would you use your imagination with me? And I want you to just think, you know, this David is a real historic figure. So was Goliath. This battle actually happened. And I want to show you a clip from a movie called Troy. And in this clip, I want you to get what these ancient battles were like, what these ancient warriors looked like, and what it must have felt like to stand on the dirt and to look at an entire army of soldiers who've got swords and they've got spears and they all want to kill you. And then a giant warrior steps forward. Go ahead and take a look and think about David and Goliath as we watch this. Men are haunted by the vastness of eternity. And so we ask ourselves, will our actions echo across the centuries? Will strangers hear our names long after we're gone and wonder who we were, how bravely we fought, how fiercely we loved? Good day for the crows. Remove your army from my land. I don't want to watch another massacre. <laughs> Let's settle this war in the old manner. Your best fighter against my best. And if my man wins? We'll leave Thessaly for good. Boagrius! I hope you got a sense of what it must have actually been like for David with these five stones in his bag and a little piece of fabric to run out against a warrior just like the one we saw. Let's pick up in the story now that we've visualized it. Here's how God's word continues. It says this, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced or young boy. Am I a dog, Goliath roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? Right? I mean, he's just mocking him. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Again, while this is a physical battle, it's also a spiritual battle. Come over here, and I will give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals, Goliath yelled. 
<laughs> Can you imagine that? Can you just imagine being in David's sandals in this moment? David replies to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Once again, David says, my strength isn't in my stature or my size or my weapons. It's in the Lord of the armies of heaven. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Do you see what David's fighting for? He's fighting for the name of the Lord. And everyone assembled here, David says, will know that the Lord rescues his people. David's declaring the victory that's already his, and it's all through the power of God. And he says this victory, it's not through the sword or the spear. This is the Lord's battle, and the Lord's gonna give you to me. As Goliath moved closer to attack, right? He's upset now. David quickly ran to meet him. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. David sprints. You know, when God has called you to something and the enemy discourages you, the enemy taunts you, the enemy even attacks you, you can sprint toward that opposition. David sprints toward Goliath and reaching into that shepherd's bag, he takes out one of those stones as he's running. Just as God has prepared him to do, he's been faithful with little. He's now ready, just like he can run and throw a stone at a lion or a bear, he can run and sling a stone at Goliath. He hurls it with his sling, and it hits the Philistine Goliath in the forehead. The stone sank in, literally broke the bones in the front of Goliath's head, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Incredible hero. A hero who will be recorded later all throughout scriptures that Jesus will come through the line of David. Acts chapter 13, verse 22, there will be a prophecy where David is again mentioned. Hebrews chapter 11, when God gives us the heroes of faith, David will be mentioned again. This is this climactic breakthrough moment in David's story. But here's what I want you to see today when we look at the totality of David's life. It's very simple. To be a hero, you don't have to be perfect. You know, David's going to have this great victory, but later he's going to have some pretty epic falls and failures. You don't have to be perfect to be a hero to the people around you or in the kingdom of God, but you do need a perfect center. We're going to see in David's written words and in his life that while he himself was not perfect, he had a perfect center with a capital C, that is Almighty God. That's where he found his identity. That's where he drew his strength. He had this perfect center. And I wonder, where is it today that you haven't been perfect, but you need to remind yourself, you know what? I have a perfect center. Where is it today that you face an obstacle or an enemy or a Goliath, an opponent, and you in your own strength, you don't have the power to defeat that addiction. You don't have the power to fix that problem in your family. You don't have the power to overcome that sickness or to represent Christ in your workplace, but you have a perfect power source, a perfect center where you can find your strength 
And just like David, you can declare in the spiritual realm and you can declare in your times of prayer and even out loud when you're driving in your car and even out loud in conversation when you need to, God has given this victory. This family belongs to God. This house belongs to God. My career belongs to God. My family and my, my everything I have belongs to God. My health belongs to God. My body belongs to God. And where the enemy's coming at me, I might not be perfect. I might not be capable, but I have a perfect provider. I have a capable provider. I have a center of identity and security and of power. You don't have to be perfect to be a hero, but you do have to have a perfect center. Well, I would like to share with you today some lessons from David. You know, David constantly recentered his identity in God's strength. We saw that in the story we read from 1 Samuel 17. David is constantly with Saul, with Goliath, even with his brothers. He's saying, I'm not here because of who I am. I'm here because of who God is. And I'm not here to do my own thing. I'm here to do God's work. And he's constantly recentering himself in God's strength. I wonder where is it in your life right now that you need to just recenter yourself in God's strength? You need to remind yourself that God called you to the good work that you're doing. God called you to where you're serving in your workplace. God called you to the family that you're in. God called you to this moment in history. And do you need to recenter yourself in that strength? Let's look at three lessons from David's life. Here's the first, stay humble before God. David was able to stay humble in, in incredible victories as well as deep devastating defeats. Very interestingly, David followed a leader, a guy named Saul, who had started with a pure heart. You know, there's a passage of scripture that says, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro around the earth looking for those who are truly devoted to him. God's looking for people who have a pure heart, that is, pure motives. People who actually want to serve God and love God. And Saul, the king before David, that's how Saul started. But as happens so often, God gave Saul victories, and as Saul got wealthy and powerful and strong, Saul started to get proud. And we see this happen all the time. We see people who start well, and over time God blesses them, but the blessing turns into pride, and Saul actually gets removed from the office of king because of his pride. And so it's in great contrast that God describes David as a man who's after his own heart. David starts with a heart of humility. That's why God chose him, because he had cultivated that heart of humility out in the fields with the sheep. I wonder, are you cultivating a heart of humility before God? A heart that says, God, you're big. God, my life is all about you. David started with that heart, and for all of his failures and all of his victories, David never lost this humility before God. He stayed humble before the Lord. You know, one of my favorite passages of scripture is in James chapter 4. It says this, God opposes the proud, I love an older translation that says God resists the proud. If you allow pride into your heart, where you've allowed pride into your life, God is actually resisting you in those areas. God resists the proud. Even though you've been adopted into the family of God and your salvation is eternally secure through the work of Christ, you may be being resisted by God in areas of your life where you're trying to do something 
but you're trying to do it from a heart of pride and self-interest. God resists the proud. This verse is so important. God repeats it three times in Scripture. It's in the book of James. It's in the book of Peter. It's in the book of Proverbs. God resists the proud. It's a law of spiritual physics. If you don't want to be resisted by God, deal with pride in your heart. Because the alternative is this. God gives grace or favor to the humble. So you get to choose. You know, you can either be proud and let life humble you, or you can choose to be humble. And when you choose to be humble, look at this. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So when you choose the path of humility, God lifts you up in time. Philippians chapter 2 describes how Jesus lived that way. But when you choose the path of pride, as Satan did, God will humble you. You know, we're all clay in the hands of the master potter, almighty God. And we get to choose if we will be soft and moldable clay or if we'll be hard clay. You know what God does with hard clay? He just breaks it and then he melts it back down. And we get to choose, am I going to be self-broken and be moldable or am I going to be broken back down? Maybe you're like me and you need to pray that. This is one of the prayers that I pray so often to God. God, would you make my heart moldable before you? I want to be soft clay in your hands. I know you're going to work your purposes. You're going to bring glory to yourself. You're going to get your stuff done in the world with or without me. I can either be soft clay and be on your side or I can be hard clay and be broken by life. God, I want to be soft clay. David stayed humble before God. Look at all these different seasons that David stayed humble in. First, he was humble in his beginnings. David was humble in his beginnings when he was working those fields. Humble in his beginnings as he served the flocks of sheep and if you look on your outline in your notes either the print outline in our building here or online uh, if you look at the outline you'll see scriptures for each one of these david was humble in his beginnings and if you're here and you're just getting started in life maybe you're in high school maybe you're in college maybe you're further along in life but you've had a fresh start you're in a new season be humble in your beginnings there's no better way to start than with a heart of humility. David remained humble in victory. It's recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 14 and 17, how David stayed dependent on the Lord. After he defeats Goliath, and thousands of people are shouting his name, and they're all looking to him as a hero. He becomes a celebrity in his time. He's famous, and it could go to his head, but he stays humble. He stays dependent on the Lord. He remembers that the Lord is the one who gave the victory and the Lord is the one who is allowing him to be used in that way. Next, David stayed humble in difficulty. It's recorded for us in 1 Samuel chapter 19 how Saul, filled with pride, is going to start trying to kill David multiple different ways. And David stays humble not only in victory but also in difficulty. Psalm 57 and Psalms 141 to 143, those are four psalms that David wrote while Saul was chasing him and trying to kill him. In fact, on your outline, we've put a list of 14 psalms that David wrote in different circumstances where he thought he was going to die or where he was so depressed he didn't think he could make it. He stayed dependent on God. And next, David was humble in failure. You know, David is well-known for two things. He's well-known for the great victory that God gave him over Goliath, and he's well-known for the great defeat that he experienced. When through the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh, he was attracted to a naked woman who he sees bathing on a roof, and, and this woman, Bathsheba, she was married. And David, not only did he 
formulate in his mind and then enact a scenario so that he could have sex with her and commit adultery, but in the process, he ends up killing her husband. Incredible sin, one of the deepest failures that is possible, murder and, and, and adultery. I mean, here's this great high and this great low. And, and David, after he sinned, when a prophet of God came to him and said, you have sinned against God, you know what? He returned to a position of humility. He was humble even in his failure. And I gotta tell you this, you know what? Where you've messed up in your life, just humble yourself before God. We all make mistakes, we all mess up, and, and pride is at its worst when we've messed up and we refuse to acknowledge it and we refuse to allow God to start to bring healing and redemption. And David, did he fall? Absolutely. Were there lifelong consequences? Yes, there were. People would die. A nation would be divided because of that sin. David would go through incredible heartbreak. But you know what? In the failure, he returned to God. And it was because he returned to God that we still know him as a hero today. He wasn't perfect, but he was faithful. He was flawed, but he relied on a perfect God and he turned back to a perfect God. After he sinned, David owned it and he returned to God. Psalm chapter 51 is a prayer that David wrote to God. And maybe if, if you're resonating with this right now, you might make a note to read Psalm 51 later and just have a time of connecting with God. Be humble in your failure. Well, I wonder of each of these, this idea of staying humble, which one of these could you apply to your life right now? Is it to be humble in the service? Maybe for you right now, it's just you know what God's called you to do, and maybe you're a young mom or a young dad, and it involves wiping little bottoms or waking up in the middle of the night, or maybe it's caring for your elderly parents, and what you're called to do doesn't seem very glorious, but you stay humble and you stay faithful in your service. Maybe God's given you some victory lately. Maybe your career's going great. Maybe you've had a windfall. Maybe you've had a breakthrough. Stay humble and dependent on God. Show him that he's first place in your life with your choices, with your heart, with your time. Is it being humble in difficulty? Maybe right now there's opposition, there's oppression. Just like Saul was after David, maybe there's someone or something that's after you. Perhaps you've had a great loss. Remain humble. Allow yourself to find that identity, that security in God. Allow him to fight for you. Or is it humility and failure? If you want to be a hero, if you want to be remembered, if you want to be someone who affects people in a way that they remember for decades, stay humble and close to God. I remember a time where I was away writing. I was out at a cabin writing and I got a phone call from my wife Mel. And Mel said, John, I'm sorry to bother you, but I just have to call your son is being completely defiant and I have no idea what to do with him. And so she put Jack on the phone and I'm talking to him from miles away and I ask him, Jack, what's going on? And he describes the situation. I say, do you understand that you're being disobedient to your mom? And he said, yeah, I do. And we talked about how that's a sin and how that's a disobedience to God. And I, I just had this moment with him where I said, Jack, you've got to decide right now. Do you want to obey me and your mom and God, or do you want to disobey? You've got to decide. And here's the thing. Jack, who had been being defiant to his mom for hours, in that moment, he just turned his little heart. And he said, you know what, Dad? You're, you're right. I, I'm wrong, and I'm really sorry. And 
and I'm going to go apologize to mom. And Mel put it on speakerphone. And I got to hear him go and apologize to her and them hug each other. And it was just this beautiful moment for me as a dad. Because you know what? It's exactly what my Heavenly Father does with me so many days. So many days where he gets my attention and I realize, you know what? I've been being defiant. I've been ignoring him. And in the same way, he says, are you going to turn your heart back to me? And David, for all his flaws, he did exactly what Jack did in that story. He turned his heart back to God. And I just want to encourage you, turn your heart back to God. Where you failed recently, when you fail in the future, always turn your heart back to God. Stay humble. Secondly, David pursued God's heart through every emotion of life. David pursued God's heart through every emotion of life. In Acts chapter 13, God declares that David was a man after God's own heart. And that's why God chose him, he says. And David was someone, he pursued God through every emotion of life. In other words, life is a roller coaster of ups and downs for all of us. We all have the ups and the victories, the beautiful days, and we all have the defeats. When we've failed or when life is difficult, the cancer diagnosis, the divorce, we've, we've got the ups, we've got the downs. And what makes David a hero in eternity and in the kingdom of God and in the thousands of people who knew him in their lives is that he constantly pursued the heart of God through every up and through every down. And I want to encourage you today. Your name doesn't have to be David. You don't have to be a king to be a hero in the kingdom of God and to decide, I will be a man or a woman who pursues the heart of God in every season of life, through every up and through every down. I love reading the book of Psalms. Some of my favorite Psalms, especially when I'm going through hard times, are the Psalms in the early 60s. If you look at about Psalm 62 through about 65, if you're going through a hard time, I encourage you, read those Psalms in the early 60s. And you know what? David wrote those Psalms, and he wrote them when he was at his lowest. And David called out to God at his lowest. He called out to God at his highest. Let's look at just one of these examples of a time when David calls out to God in Psalm chapter 63, verse 1. David writes this. He says, oh God, you're my God. Do you see the personalness of this? Earnestly I search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there's no water. David longed for God. He pursued the heart of God. I want to encourage you today, seek God when you're nothing. Seek God when you're something. Seek God in your victories. Seek God in your failures. I wonder, will you choose to seek God's heart in the ups and downs of your life this week? Will you choose to seek his heart? Well, there's a third way that David became a hero, and it was this. He fought for what God values. We saw it in that story with Goliath, and we see it through the rest of David's life. David says, where's God's reputation? What is it that God cares about? Where's God's name on the line? And I'm going to fight for what God cares about in my world and in my life. Fight for what God values. We saw this with Goliath, and you see it later in David's life where he cares about God's people and he cares about God's kingdom. And I just want to encourage you as a parent, fight for the souls and the minds of your children and your grandchildren. 
I want to encourage you as a follower of Christ, fight for the kingdom of God in your heart and in your life. I want to encourage us as a church. We've said recently with this Greater Things Vision campaign that on our watch, the kingdom of God will expand in our territory and in our lives. And what we've all done is we've taken the heart of David and we've said we're going to pursue the heart of God and we're going to make sure that on our watch the kingdom of God expands. I want to give you an application here, or really a question. Have you invested yourself on God's side of the spiritual battles that are happening right now? Spiritual battles that are happening in your mind? Spiritual battles that are happening in the lives of your children, your grandchildren, your loved ones. Spiritual battles that are happening in this territory of Hendricks County and of central Indiana where angels and demons are fighting for the souls of people and for the trajectory of this region. Is this going to be an area where the kingdom of God expands? Have you invested yourself to say, I will fight for what God fights for? Well, I know this is the heart of so many of you as my brothers and sisters, and I'm so encouraged by so many of you on days where I get weary in this battle to say, I'm going to seek first God and his kingdom for my family, for myself, for my own heart and thoughts, for our church, for our community. It means so much to me to know that I'm not in it alone. And I want to encourage you today that you're not in it alone. You can join the legacy of David. You can join the rest of us in living a heroic life. Let's determine to live like these heroes in the kingdom of God. Let's join David who was imperfect and flawed like we are, but who so consistently he stayed humble, he pursued the heart of God, and he fought for God's ways. He did it all in God's strength. Let's do this in our homes. Let's do this in our companies, in our workplaces. Let's do this with our gifts our abilities, our resources. Let's seek first the kingdom of God together. Can I pray that for you right now? God, across this room and Lord, across the world as people watch this online, I know your spirit has spoken to each one of us through the power of your unchanging word. And God, right now, I just pray for every person who's listening to this message that you would encourage them, that you'd inspire them, that it's not too late they can be a hero in your kingdom. Not because of their great strength, but because of your great strength. And God, I just pray for every one of us listening right now, would you give us the heart of David? Would you make us men and women who are after your heart, who pursue you in every up and down of life? Lord, on our best days, on our worst days, in our greatest victories and our greatest failures, would we be men and women who love you, Lord? Help us to read your word more. Help us to love you more. God, would we be people who choose a posture of humility? When we're defeated, when we've messed up, when we've had great victories, would we choose to humble ourselves before you? And God, would you make us people who fight for your kingdom and your work in this world? Lord, I know as we've gone through this text that your spirit has poked in each of our hearts and you've shined a light on areas in each of our lives. Every one of us right now, we know how to apply this message where we need to humble ourselves where we need to seek your heart again, or maybe where we need to actually fight for your kingdom and get out of the sidelines and stop being a spectator and actually fight for your work in our family or in this church or in the community. And so, Lord, we just choose today to be like David. And as we do, would you give us great victories as you gave to him? Would you do mighty things for your glory and for your name? We pray it all in the powerful name of Jesus. 
Amen.